Hello everybody and welcome back to Descending Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and once again I'm joined by my co-host Mike. Hello Mike. Hi there, how's it going everyone? That's good to have you on board again. Um, so t- in today's episode what we are talking about is the hero's journey. So just to explain a little bit of context here at Descending Consciousness, um, part of one of the themes we like to cover uh, Mike is this idea of spiritual growth or spiritual awakening or put in very simple kind of personal development terms, just becoming the best version of yourself, really. I mean, yes. What some of those um, ideas that we like to talk about. So that's why in today's episode and the next episode, uh, we're going to talk about um, the hero's journey. So in terms of the hero's journey, we're going to discuss some of the uh, archetypes that Joseph Campbell spoke about, uh, why are myths important and the process of uh, individuation, which Carl Jung spoke about. And then lastly, in the last part of the episode, we will be talking about the 12 stages of the hero's journey. So just to start with a little bit of an introduction. So Joseph Campbell came up with the idea of the monomyth, uh, which is a universal story story structure. So um, as um, a researcher, he was quite unusual in that he looked for similarities uh, with stories and myths that go back um, down the annuals of time. And he came up with this idea that there was um, a series of archetypes that were mirrored or repeated in all different cultures and different myths. Is that right, Mike? Um, they call it the, the mono, mono myth, the mono story, because sure. all stories are the same. Sure. You can replace key words, but, but the elements will, will remain. Yeah, sure. So um, in his famous seminal book, uh, which he was released in 1949, Joseph Campbell, Uh, In his book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, he he said, quote from the book was, um, the symbols of mythology are not manufactured. They cannot be ordered, invented or permanently suppressed. They are spontaneous productions of the psyche. So I think you would agree, Mike, and our listeners would, that that speaks of this idea that they are something that is ingrained within human culture or the history of human culture. Yeah, Um because stories are very, very tied to, to our growth as a childhood. We always hear stories. Um, it's how we learn about the world around us beyond our ordinary world in that yeah, sense. Yeah, sure. So also th- this idea of the monomyth reveals timeless, timeless truths about the yearnings and aspirations of, of mankind. And, and, why is, and why are myths important, this idea of, you know, Um, striving to be the best that we can and Carl Jung he said about myths he said that myths are first and foremost psychic phenomena that reveal the true nature of the soul so basically this links to this idea that they are encapsulated within the subconscious mind Um, so again this is an an interesting thing that we think of um, in terms of the manipulation of this of the mind in in the modern era is it harder to to manipulate the subconscious mind would you say or is that where the, most of the myth sorry most of the manipulation is, is going on because if this if these um if the the mono myth uh, is coming from the subconscious how come it's kind of lasted throughout time that that's a curious thing you because know I mean? it's elements we all we have we 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 strive to to be more subconsciously because we want that greater experience, but at the same time, our conscious mind is so stuck in its ways of the ordinary world. It just wants those home comforts, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sure. Um, 
because it's always been with us, we've always told stories in this manner. Yeah, sure. And this is what just essentially codified what was existing in every story that has ever been. So in a part of um important part of his teaching or understanding, uh, Mike, is the idea of eight the eight archetypes. Yeah, so, these are quite fascinating, these ones. Mm. Um, so I'll just read them and then we'll just um, briefly go through each one and maybe give some examples so our listeners can get a better idea of maybe modern culture and films, uh, who they represent. So first of all, we've got the hero of the journey, which in, within that's our, ourselves within our own lives because we are the hero of our own story. Is that right? Exactly. Or in, in any films you can think of, like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars or Alice in Alice in Wonderland or Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. There just are no- dozens just normally called the protagonists yeah exactly and then secondly the second archetype is um the mentor so in the matrix that would be something like morpheus or in the wizard of oz that would be the white witch so it's pretty self-explanatory isn't it? yep someone who comes along who um knows more than you in that area who can help guide you in certain areas sure then we have the ally <coughs> which in the wizard of oz would be the tin man um, so obviously that is someone that's consistently alongside the hero will obviously be there for the entirety of the journey. Yeah, someone to help and support you and to make sure you do overcome those barriers in life. Yeah, sure. And next we have, fourthly, we have the Herald, which is the bringer of information or kind of like someone that will be giving a heads up to the hero of something or of a change in the story or they might bring some information. So in Star Wars, that would be uh, when R2-D2 projected the hologram with the message that Princess Leia had for Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, what's so fascinating about the Herald is this is the only one that doesn't necessarily have to be a person. Sure, yeah. Um, This is normally, normally can be a person, someone who brings the message, but sometimes it can just be the message itself. Sure, yeah. Or a situation that heralds the fact that things are changing. Yeah, sure. Um, then we go on to the trickster, uh, which would be Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Merry and Pippin, great yeah. characters. <laughs> yeah, and then six, we've got the shapeshifter, which would be um, Gollum from uh, the Lord of the Rings. Again, um, another character, a bit like the trickster. I suppose they're similar in that they're both, from the hero's perspective, uh, the protagonist as the hero, they're probably people that you can't trust, the trickster and the shapeshifter, because you never quite know. Well, you, not always. I mean, this is the thing. The, the trickster is the the one who tends to get things rolling, causes mayhem, mm-hmm. um, you know, swirl, swirls things up. Yeah, um, stirs the pot. So but they could always have your back. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Not always, but, you, you know, it's one of those situations where it's not always definitely defined that the tricksters... No, sure. Whereas um, whereas the shapeshifter, they're the ones that you never really know where their loyalties lie. No, sure. Because the trickster causes situations and the shapeshifter adds tension to situations. Mm. Which is, in, if you think of in terms of storytelling or story writing, that's a very important character. Otherwise, the story would be very thin and very... Wouldn't it? I mean, it wouldn't be able to draw people in. Exactly. So it's one of those weird things that as we apply this to to our own lives, because we all have our own stories, mm. we realise that even though most of us have been like, well, we don't want these characters in our lives, but actually they kind of are necessary. Yeah. I mean, we might just touch upon this once I finish reading this list for the benefit of our listeners, is that the idea of these 
these archetypes is that, that they're not some kind of like intellectual disposition these are um characters think of them as characters in the play which is our life so these roles are all playing we might be playing one of these roles we might be playing more than one of these roles but certainly in in one area of our life undoubtedly there there would be an aspect of these wouldn't there yeah i mean what was it i like to think of them as like job roles and essentially sure. in any great story that's out there all these job roles have to be filled in one way or another mm. and you know in most stories yeah they try and flesh out with enough characters so they've got you know one or two people in each of those job roles but sometimes sure. you've got a story where you've got so few characters some of them do overlap. They'd like, adopt more than one of the archetypes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sometimes in some stories, the trickster is the shapeshifter. Yeah. Not always. No, no, they're, the, they're those films that you really find it hard to work out what's going <laughs> on. Um, anyway, back to our list. So we got up to six, number six, the sixth archetype, which is shapeshifter. Moving on, number seven, number seven, we've got the guardian, which comically, in term, comically speaking, would be the, quite clearly the black knight. In, in, in Monty Python um, but again in order to reach the Guardian um, you know as we're going to explain in terms of the hero's journey and the different um, paths along sorry the different stages you would have in order for the Guardian to become an aspect you would have needed to have gone through certain processes yeah we don't thing. always meet our Guardians in our ordinary world no. um, because those Guardians are the ones that guard the thresholds sure. you know the great barriers that we have to cross yeah in and in sense. order to do that we needed to we needed to have at least set out on the journey exactly so you know we can't always relate to the guardian in our lives at the moment but if you if you can if you've met a guardian and gone past that then brilliant yeah so lastly the eighth archetype is the shadow which will be the shadow aspect of our personality of our egoic nature so it clearly in star wars that would be a character such as darth vader um so um again as we were saying the interesting thing with the archetypes mike is that um they could be characters just in our workplace couldn't they could be playing out you know that annoying boss or that very helpful colleague that when you've got some sort of review to do you can always go and ask them and they'll help you i mean it can't it can be an everyday very prosaic situation oh yeah because because anyone's lives can essentially be told in story format mm. we all relate to this in one way or another mm. and it's a weird thing that we could be the hero we're well not could be we are the heroes of our own story mm. but at the same time we might be the mentor to someone else's we might be their ally of another exactly and a herald to someone else and because of the nature of human beings we it's more than likely in a lot of instances we're adopting these roles largely unconsciously do you agree with that yeah because um things just naturally happen and evolve um in such a way is that you know it could be a situation where the trickster initially sets out to be like no i'm gonna be faithful and stuff but situation happened which makes their loyalties change mm. so nothing's ever set, set out stone. yeah it's not like you plan to be a guardian or you no, set sure. out to be a herald in this situation sure. yeah. um things just naturally evolve but i'd say for all of us really it would be helpful to have an understanding of these archetypes because um it certainly may help there might be an aspect of, of our lives that we're struggling with or certain people or situation as i said and have an understanding of these we might um, come to an understanding of the role that we're playing and 
you know, and, and also it kind of creates a bit of a distance, it depersonalizes it. So we might be having some grief with someone in our personal life, but if we understand they're playing a specific role, we think, ah, oh, now I know how to deal with them in a, in a more conscious way. Yeah, because it um, reveals the story to you. Instead of just living it minute by minute, you actually see it unfold in a more sensible manner because he's like, hang on. I've watched this film before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, it's it's like when we watch um, classic films or TV dramas or whatever it might be, often, you know, once you understand the story and the running of events and why characters do what they do and the role they, they play, you think, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. It's very rarely, unless it might be some avant-garde film, <laughs> do you think, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, there, there well, is... Well, there is a lot of films, well, I say a lot, Hopefully not too many. Yeah. There, there are films out there that will try and be a deconstruction of of something in that sense. Yeah, sure. So I bet there's a very many films out there that will try and like be like, well, we're going to change it this way because we don't like the rules. Yeah. yeah and sure. then it the just rules turns of out storytelling. To, and yeah. then it just turns out to be not a good film. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, just trying to be controversial. Anyway, Mike, I'll just bring us back now to Carl Jung. And he spoke about... Um, the reason why it's important to understand these archetypes in, in the course of the hero's journey is because by becoming everything that, uh, you know, we are, by be, by achieving maturity as human beings, he, he said it was an important process of psychological, well, he called it psychological maturity, which basically is a long-handed way of describing the process of individuation. And that's what Jung uh, became, he wrote at length, uh, on this process of individuation and this means how aspects of the unconscious mind become integrated into the conscious mind so we can see with uh, in terms of um, the hero's journey how we were talking about those archetypes and how it is in, important to make them conscious in our mind and as we were saying you know maybe a colleague at work and once you understand what role they're playing we can bring it into our conscious mind because um, it might be, as I said before, that we're playing these roles as well, unconsciously. Exactly. But so, I really do think it's time we actually mention the stages of the hero's journey, because we sure. keep referencing it, but not giving you sure. um, an idea of how it's applied. Yeah, so the first stage is um, the ordinary world. So in terms of the ordinary world and um, cultural references... This would be um, the character Neo in the first Matrix when he's working in a classic sort of boring, dull, nine-to-five job. You see him, he hates his job. He's constantly getting told off by his boss because he's late. So, he's, you know, he's in he's in the Matrix. He's fully immersed in the Matrix. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the ordinary world is we all know what it is. It's the sure. boring, humdrum every well, day. Well, we call it the TikTok. It's that thing where... We're on autopilot, aren't we? We know what's exactly. coming next. We're not conscious, really. We're just... And we always know how to relate to characters and films because they're going through the same awful stuff we are. Yeah, sure. And the ordinary world not only helps set the character in terms of the story, but it helps us relate to the character. Yeah. So um, also we could say that in um, the Lord of the Rings, so we've got Frodo and he's just living in the Shire... And he's visiting Bilbo Baggins. So it's just all just a very normal course of events that are going on. Nothing uh, extraordinary, really. Yeah, it's the the safety of the home environment. Yeah, and how we could relate, because it's important in this episode that 
we relate the idea of the hero's journey to our listeners' lives and, you know, this idea of um, personal transformation, becoming better versions of themselves, like we all want to live better lives. Is The ordinary world might be that sense in which, um, well, I know my life's ticking over okay, but there's something just not right. Do you know what I mean? It might be that this there's this idea that, well... I know things things are just too easy. I'm not stretching myself. You know that thing that we have, that idea of, like, we'll say, well, I'm not really stretching myself, or I'm not really doing... It might be, you know, you might have a, an, an exercise regime and you're not really stretching yourself, or, you know, you, you, you're learning an instrument, but you, you're not going up the grade, or you're just kind of, like, ticking over. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. So moving on to the second stage, uh, this is called the call to adventure. So just first of all... This would relate to Neo in the Matrix when he receives the cryptic message on the computer screen, which you'll all know says, follow the white rabbit. So it's kind of like a bit of a glitch in the Matrix. It's that first moment of, hmm, this is, you know, he's normally there hacking, doing his computer hacking. Something pops up and it's, it's completely untoward. It's basically a ticket to, to an adventure like, hey, do you want to try something different? Do you yeah. want to go well, somewhere like, new? Yeah, the invitation. So in Lord of the Rings, it will be when Ga Gandalf tells Frodo that he must destroy the one ring. So it's definitely something that marks a departure um, from the normal everyday world. So it could be an unexpected message or it could be meeting someone significant. So it's all, it's like, um, yeah, it marks a, a clear delineation. Really. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, that normally scares most people. Sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, it doesn't matter if you're eager for this thing to happen, but to make this thing happen, there's always that fear. There's always got to be a barrier to overcome. So generally, the first thing the person does is refuse the call. Well, is refuse the call because I just popped into my head because career and lack of uh, progress in the career is always at the front of my mind. Like The call to adventure might be a job opportunity that comes up. It's like, well, I can't do that. Uh, I'm, I'm not trained to do that or that would really put me under pressure you know it, it that kind of thing isn't it yeah exactly so we always have those niggling doubts those oh no i don't know if i can i don't know if i could like... sure. or i'll be exposed you know I'll, I'll embarrass myself and this is a point that we want to make uh i think you'll agree mike that the hero's journey we don't want to put it on this huge pedestal as if it's just some something that's distant from us it's all no it's actually part of our everyday life and existence and that's what Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell were talking about it's just intrinsic part of being a human being well exactly because at the end of the day everything comes down to being a story yeah. and we're living our own stories and um so it can easily be applied yeah and and if you think of like the stages of life of human maturity by um certain ages we should have learned and come to terms with certain things so i mean everything about the human journey is a story isn't it exactly so stage three of the hero's journey is the refusal of the call so this is when the hero is reluctant to take action and fear holds him or her back and clings as we were saying clings to the certainty of the ordinary world so in the matrix we can clearly see this is when neo meets trinity but he thinks he's in a dream. So he's basically in a state of denial or it's when Frodo is reluctant to leave the life he knows. The he's, is that safety? Isn't yeah, it? yeah, because we all like that safety and security because we fear the unknown. Sure, yeah. It's a natural fear that all humanity has, I would say. Sure. Because 
you know, most people would rather the devil you know than the one you sure. don't. Sure. I mean, in my own life, it would be a few years ago, I, I moved to Bristol and I didn't know anyone there. And people constantly were coming to me. Oh, you're brave, Anthony. Why uh, Why would you want to do that? You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, in my head, I was intent on it. So I was like, well, why are these people uh, asking me? Do you see, I was already set on on making this journey, but um, most people were speaking to me. So that is interesting. Yeah, because most people's mindsets of like, who would move to a random city where you know no exactly, one? Exactly, yeah. So, interesting. So next stage is stage four, and this is meeting the mentor. So this is where the hero um, gains guidance to begin the journey. The mentor can provide a map or clues or information. So this is obviously a very important stage, would you agree? Yeah, because it's that mentor that um, teaches you almost how to get to where you're wanting to go. Sure, yeah. Because, you know, the call to adventure doesn't normally start with uh, the mentor. No, but in no. Lord of the Rings, it kind of does. Sure, yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the mentor is also the guy who comes with the yeah. call to adventure. And also I'd say that in order to, to make the journey... There's got to be an element of motivation there, hasn't there? There's, you know, like the call to action, if you like. Yeah, um, and it's that mentor that tells you how to get there because, do you know what, no matter how much motivation you've got, if you're running off blindly to achieve something, sure. you're not really going to achieve no, exactly. it. So yeah. the mentor's always like, no, look, listen, this is the way we've got to go. Or at least to some degree, this is how you need to go about the process. Exactly. Um, so it's always that guidance that um, the hero needs to be able to, to achieve his goals. Yeah. So stage five is crossing the first threshold. So that is the point of no return. So that is the idea of actually going into the new world or a different world where new rules apply. So this is where the hero actually commits to the journey. So actually, yeah, this is where Neo um, takes the uh, makes the decision to take the red pill. So in the previous stage, it's where he's presented with the red and blue pill. Yeah. So stage five is where he takes the red pill. I mean, do you know what? I've just thought of it. One of the most interesting cases of this is Lord of the Rings. Sure. Because yeah. um, Samwise Gandhi actually stops and goes, this is it. I've never That's been true. further away from the Shire than sure. I am right yeah. now. Sure. So they actually make a point to sure. mark a out clear reference, the threshold. It? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next stage is stage six, which is called Tests, Allies and Enemies. And this is when the protagonist or the hero faces tests of courage and his... and has to face um, obstacles in which he or she needs to overcome. So in The Matrix, this is would be uh, during the scenes in which he's been trained by Morpheus to be the one who will save humanity, or referencing again the Fellowship of the Rings, this is when the Fellowship faces Balrog, who drags Gandalf into the pit uh, with it. So um, those same uh, film references again, but obviously this is a key, this tends to be a key, part within the film structure isn't it yeah exactly because it's these tests allies and enemy stages where most of the fun happens in a film sure. most of the action in the fact that you've got ordeals and barriers to overcome to achieve your goals yeah sure. um so it's not going to a simple walk down this path and you get there because <laughs> hey even in the wizard of oz she has ordeals that she has to overcome sure. yeah yeah exactly and we can see in our own lives it's a bit like the opportunity, as we said before, which was unexpected, which we're fearful of, even when we step into that and take it, it's still not going to just be presented. It's still in order to achieve, say, like a qualification in that instance, 
We've still got to do the hard work. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing comes for free. <laughs> no, precisely. So moving on to stage seven, which is called Approaching the Innermost Cave. This again is when the hero or the protagonist is well acquainted with the special world. So this would be like in the Matrix that um, Neo is aware that he is now existing in something in the Matrix and he is aware that, you know, of that he's in a different space kind of thing. So the hero is well acquainted, as I say, with the special world and they are able to pass he or she uh, a number of challenges. Uh, and also in, in terms of uh, Lord of the Rings, this is when Frodo sees the rings corrupted power and goes forward alone with Sam. Uh, in the Matrix, this is when the Oracle tells Neo that he or, he or Morpheus will die, but Neo has the power to choose. So this is obviously where we are reaching, you know, the main... Do you know what? I think the best example, though, has got to be the, the Star Wars one. Yeah. Because Luke literally goes into a cave... He does, that's right. Yeah. ...and fights um, a fake version of Darth Vader, which sure. is like his own reflection. His, yeah, subconscious, in effect, yeah. Um, and it's really those moments where even though you might have um, got to grips with the extraordinary world and you think you're good there, it's really where it's testing your psyche, it's testing yourself. So is it going right into your deep, the deep, deepest aspects of yourself? I mean, I know they, they call the protagonist in this, the archetypes the shadow, mm. but I would actually say it's that approaching the innermost cave is... Um, you're tested by yourself, you're tested by your shadow self. Sure, yeah. um, and it's when you beat your own mental enemy, that's when you can really go forward to achieve sure. your goals. Sure, yeah. It's a, it, it reminds me of that. Uh, there's a teaching in shamanics that says that everyone is just a mirror. For yourself. For yourself, yeah. That's, yeah, it's interesting. So we go on to stage eight of the hero's journey. Uh, this is called the, the Ordeal. Um, this is when the character or, or the protagonist reaches near the, uh, um, comes close to death, real or metaphorical, and all hope appears to be lost. You know, it's right at that very moment when the hero, you know, and, the, and their enemy's got the knife right to their throat kind of thing. It's, it's that moment of do or die, isn't it? Yeah, it get everyone to the edge of their seats while they're sure. watching or hearing a story like this. Um and it's in that vital moment where you think the hero's lost it all. Sure. Yeah. You know, in, in the Matrix, he actually does die. You know, he gets well, they shot. They get ambushed, ambushed, don't they, by the agents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what was it? The, the resurrection comes yeah. in this, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So moving on to the next stage, which is stage nine. Um, this is called when the hero, or the protagonist, seizes the reward. So this is when the hero earns a reward either an, an elixir or a magical sword. So it might be a physical thing, as I said, a sword, or it could be like um, a less tangible thing, like to have more courage or greater insight or deeper connection with the world. So it's not necessarily a tangible thing. Yeah, I mean, it could be to achieve a goal, mm -hmm. you know, to stop what someone from doing this, sure. um, to make sure the world isn't destroyed, or it could be a physical object. Sure. So in the Matrix, it will be when Frodo is corrupted by the ring's power, but no longer wants to destroy it. So that's an interesting example. So moving on to stage 10, um, this is the road back, which is obviously a very important part of the hero's journey. So not only has the, the hero, you know, reached, uh, as you were saying, the reference before um, uh, Lord of the Rings kind of like reached furthest out from yeah. home. Now it's, 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 it's the return. So the hero must complete the journey 
home. So in terms of the Matrix, this was um, before Neo can leave the Matrix. This is when he um, kills, oh, when Agent Smith, as you were saying, kills him. And also this is in the Lord of the Rings. This is when Gollum bites off Frodo's ring finger and jumps to his death. So again, they're interesting um, references. But this is a um, is a very interesting um, part of the journey, isn't it? Because obviously the, the, the protagonist or the heroes reaches, as I said, the furthest point away. It's like, well, now you've got to do it all but in, in reverse. In yeah. reverse. Um, and it's scary in its own way, but it's only scary for the character because returning isn't always what they want to do. No, sure. Or no longer feels right. Mm, yeah. So how would you say that, I mean, I've got my own views on this, how the road back might relate to ourselves if we're dealing with an issue or an aspect in our own personal lives? Okay, and well, um, because this sort of, this storyline thing is quite cyclical in a sense, yeah. it's always about our daily routine. So even though we might have achieved a great victory one day at work and got our goals, but do you know what? The next day you've got to take the road back and do it all over again. Right, okay. So that could be like, for example, we've had an achievement to, to just to understand it more. We've had an achievement in one area of our life, yeah. But in another area of our life, it might be a bit of a shit show, and it's still like we need to step up to the mark and be the hero in 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 that aspect of our life because we've kind of let things go. A um, bit. I wouldn't necessarily say so. Um, it's just that going through this adventure and going through the story, the character has grown so much that mm. um, normally it's the aspect that when the character does get back to its hometown, he realizes doesn't feel like home anymore. No, sure. Yeah, that's very true. So the next stage is stage 11, which is called Resurrection, which we've already spoken to slightly. So this is the final battle or the final test uh, when the hero proves how he or she has been transformed by the journey. So in the terms of the Matrix, this will be when Neo revives and kills Agent, or when Neo revives and then kills Agent Smith. Or in Lord of the Rings, when Sarum is defeated and Frodo and Sam reunite with the Fellowship. So obviously both key parts of the films, aren't they? Yeah. Interesting. So the last part of the hero's journey, in terms of the 12 stages, is called Return with the Elixir. So this is when the, return, the hero, I should say, returns to the ordinary world with the spoils of victory. So the elixir or a physical object. And it could be, as I was saying before, something less tangible, like a new personal insight. So it is said he or she has defeated um, their, their demons and created a better version of him or herself. So it's like you were saying, essentially, Mike, before. Yeah. Going to that inner cave and, yeah. you know, destroying that. Not destroying the dark aspect, no. but coming to terms with it, realising it's transforming, the... maybe. Exactly. So in The Matrix, again, that would be when uh, Neo makes a call to the Matrix, telling the machines he will free humanity. Or in The Lord of the Rings, it's when a traumatised Frodo leaves Middle-earth to live in the green heavens with the elves. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, just to add, in terms of the stages of the hero's journey, something interesting that Mike and I find whilst, found whilst doing our research was that there are up to 17 stages, aren't there? And even the 12 stages, if you look at some researchers' work, it's kind of distilled into... Well, there's a lot of controversy ways. that I did find out um, about this, because even though this idea has been around for, like, what, 50, 
there's a lot of people who don't necessarily agree with him yeah. um they have kind of like condensed it into a more subtle way of understanding it but um yeah it can get a bit crazy if you look into the very original stages yeah sure yeah and and it can get very granular and hard to understand so that's why we've done it in hopefully quite a simplified way because if you get too complex you know, it can be quite difficult to understand. Exactly. Um, so, you know, the, the way I see it is not all stories will have all the elements because, hey, in some stories, there is no returning to, to the old way. You're just moving on no, and moving yeah. on and moving on. Sure, yeah. um, but it generally, um, you know, it generally will have 90% of what's in a story all sure. the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, just... As we round things up, Mike, just going back to some interesting words of Joseph Campbell himself, um, he said about the story of actualising that the hero's journey is the story of actualising our higher potential that lays dormant in all of us, which again speaks to what we were saying about it's you know, about our, our latent potentials becoming the better version of ourselves because yeah. um, we're all happy um, in our in our own little comfy environment and we don't want to go past that. It's like being a Big fish in a little pond seems to be better than being a small fish in a big pond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because and as soon as you go past your environment, you're that small fish yeah, now. exactly. And Joseph Campbell famously called it the pathway to bliss. This whole idea of, you know, achieving, um, you know, actualization, actually becoming who, 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 and what we are, who and what we are. And I think the reason that does, that does swirl away in all of us, doesn't it? But sometimes I think it can have like a negative aspect in that we might be in a relationship and you know rather than work on that relationship we'll just jump ship do you know what i mean because we've all got that discontent because the in a way the culture kind of breeds it in us as well doesn't it this idea of fear and, and, and unhappiness do you know what i mean it con it's constantly so we have to be wary sometimes that we don't jump to the call too quickly does that make sense or that we consciously well, what yeah, you're talking about there is almost grass is always greener on the other yeah, side yeah, situation. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I'm saying. That's what's to be wary of. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? um, but it is something that we all need to, to work on because yeah. um, honestly, it's human nature to, to kind of like sit in what you know rather than wanting to expand yourself. Sure. And yeah. um, just like the human body, the human mind always needs to grow and expand sure. and become more. And I think that's something we should all work on. Yeah, sure. And just to lastly uh, leave you uh, with a quote from um, Joseph Campbell. He said, The hero's journey resonates with so many people because it reminds us of our higher potential. And in the words of Joseph Campbell, The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Which pretty is much... very powerful, isn't which it? Which is very powerful and it kind of speaks to what you were just talking about, Mike. And... And back to our own individual lives and, and that, you know, of our listeners, I think when we sit quietly in quiet meditation, we all know, don't we? It's like mm, that part of my life, I'm kind of refusing the call there or that kind of relationship or friendship or the acquaintance with that person. I'm really not saying I'm really not saying my truth or I'm really, you know, not not having that difficult conversation exactly because you know? everyone wants an easy ride yeah exactly. uh, no one wants a difficult situation yeah um unless you're trying to achieve a goal which requires that 
difficult situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hopefully the goal isn't a difficult situation. No. <laughs> hopefully you're not psychopathic <laughs> or sociopathic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, in our next episode, just to give a heads up, so I think it would be um, useful to do that to our listeners. We're going to talk about the Truman Show, aren't we, Mike, in terms of uh, how it acts as a metaphor for spiritual awakening. Because I think for both of us, it just strikes... It just strikes so many bells and we can relate to so many of the scenes in terms of our own awakening as such. I know I can from kind of a conspiracy angle. And so we'll relate it to the parts of uh, the hero's journey because it doesn't overlay completely, does it? Well, this is the thing. Um, Because it's an atypical case of the Truman Show, I, you know, when we were researching this episode, we found some fantastic things out about it. And the Truman Show doesn't, just work perfectly for spiritual awakening it also works in the awakening to the to the conspiratorial so, world around yeah, us exactly, yeah. um, so, so it's like the, the matrix kind of yeah way. it's yeah. a twofold um you know gold Model. star situation in that. yeah um yes yeah, so i look forward to next week uh, just just very quickly in to tell our listeners the main area where it uh, kind of deviates from the hero's journey is there's no real return is there so he meets like when the boat uh, crashes into the end of the the construct the uh, the the you know the construct of the the, the city edge of the, dome, so the edge yeah. of the dome thank you mike there is no kind of like return is there yeah because his goal was to escape his he goal wanted... was to escape yeah. so so the idea of having him return sure. would have ruined the story and so yeah, that's exactly. what one of the reasons not all of them but one of the reasons why it is quite unique in that yeah, sense absolutely Right, so just to let our uh, listeners know if they want to connect with us here, Mike, at Discerning Consciousness. So the easiest way is through our Facebook group. So if you're not already a member of the Discerning Consciousness Facebook group, you can message uh, us through the Discerning Consciousness Facebook page. Uh, You can either directly message us there using the messenger on there or just put a message on, just put a post and then I can add you as a friend and then you'll be, and then I can... Um, then you can send you an invitation to the group and then you can join the group. Um, we do we do value your input, don't we, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> good, good, bad uh, or indifferent. If you'd like to comment on any of the shows, please do that. If you have any idea for any future shows as well, that would yeah. be very beneficial. We would love the ideas. Absolutely. And also, uh, again, say once more, as with all these types of things, uh, hosting a po- podcast and recording, there are cost involved so if you did want to um donate to the show there is a paypal button on the discerning consciousness facebook page and if you wanted to do that that would be fantastic so thank you all again guys and girls for listening in i've really enjoyed this show because it's on my favorite subject of the whole idea of awakening i think we both <laughs> it's an area that we we like to look at but then it does kind of bring up areas, isn't it, where you think, oh, I need to look at that area of my life. It's like well, squeaky the, bum time. <laughs> well, this is the thing I find with the the spiritual awakening sort of thing is um, it happens almost in dribs and drabs sometimes. And yeah. all because we, we all struggle to face our own problems. Sure. And so even though we might have faced one ordeal, we might actually go, well, I, I think I faced that one. I yeah, passed I've that one. Now, yeah. I'm going to put this down for sure. a little bit. And then you come back to it and, and go for another ordeal. Sure. And, um, well, that's how it's been with me, at least. Yeah, and I, I can relate to that, Mike. As, sure, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners can, in that um, being, being an old middle-aged git, I can remember the classic kind of video games on my Spectrum computer from the 80s, whereby... For a set amount of time, you know, the, the character or the spaceship would be able to move faster, and it had, and and it's a bit like that. I feel that you know, 
you you have this event that happens in life you survive it you have all these understandings so you have this initial you know faster trajectory and then you go back to normal and then then you're a bit like oh okay so what's coming next do, yeah. do you know do you know what i mean and sometimes it's that going back to the ordinary which is the worst that's the real test isn't it that's the real test right thank you all again i'll just leave you with um our show note basically is remember folks if you're not if you're not in control of your consciousness someone else will bye